0: On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes against Al Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. After consulting closely with our allies and partners, with our military leaders and intelligence personnel, with our diplomats, with the Congress and the Vice President, as well as with Mr. Ghani and many others around the world, I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. President Ashraf
1: Ghani has welcomed the move. In a series of tweets he posted after speaking to the U.S. President Joe Biden, he says Afghan security forces are capable
0: of defending their own people. After 20 years of conflict, America is finally ready to put a close on its longest war in history. In a recent announcement, President Biden declared the United States would withdraw all troops from Afghanistan by September 11th of this year. It's a move hotly debated here in the U.S., but today we ask, what does it mean for Afghanistan as a country and for its people? This is State of the World, produced by the World Affairs Council of Connecticut. I'm your host, Amanda Jolly, and on this episode, we're talking with Shah Mahmood Miakel, designated ambassador of Afghanistan to Qatar, and Afghanistan's former first deputy and acting minister of defense about Afghanistan's future in the aftermath of war. Moderated by council CEO, Megan Torrey.
1: Thank you everyone for joining us for State of the World. Welcome, Minister Mihaqo. We're honored to have you here today.
2: Thank you very much. uh, And good, good morning your time. And And good
1: evening, your time. So today is a very unique opportunity. Uh, Last week, President Biden announced that the United States is pulling all United States troops out of Afghanistan beginning next month and completing the process before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Over the last week, we have heard the robust debate we're having here in the United States about the merits of this decision. And we here at the World Affairs Council will continue to have that discussion. So as we sit here today, there are remaining about 2,500 United States service men and women in Afghanistan. At the height of troop levels, the United States had at any one given time over 100,000 United States troops. Um, and over the course of the last 20 years, about 775. United States service members have been deployed to Afghanistan. A grim and sad figure is we've, uh, in the the United States, lost about 2,312 United States military personnel since 2001, and more than 20,000 American service members have been wounded in action in Afghanistan. The Numbers of Afghan fatalities and injuries are far greater than that. Estimates are uh, about 64,100 Afghan lives have been lost in the last 20 years. Um, And those are just estimates. The numbers could could be far greater than that. Bottom line, about 157,000 people have been killed in Afghanistan since 2001. Um, And if we're looking at the United States investment over time for the last 20 years in in, in fighting the wars uh, in Afghanistan, it's about $978 billion. So, Mr. Minister, over the weekend, your president, President Ashraf Ghani, said, uh, stated that he was not surprised by this decision. In fact, he had been preparing for this decision. Can you tell us is, is the same for you? Were you preparing for this decision? What is the mood on the ground in Kabul today regarding um, President Biden's recent announcement?
2: So thank you for, uh, you know, yes, we were uh, prepared for that. It was not very really unexpected. Uh, if you look back to 2009 when President Obama increased the number of troops, and he in the same time said is uh, most of the U.S. troops will withdraw from Afghanistan in the end of uh, 2016, uh, but uh, you know most of the troops they left Afghanistan, but the token of the troops stay in Afghanistan. So this left to the uh, President Trump administration that he should you know make a decision, and he also wanted to leave Afghanistan, uh, but only left 2,500 you know, forces here, and left this decision to uh, President uh, Joe Biden. You know, so it was predicted. And also there's a huge differences now from 2009 or 2001 and uh, and now. Uh, we have uh, now army, we have uh, around 40,000 special forces uh, who are well trained and equipped. Uh, we have a air force now and we have uh, almost like uh, more than 350,000 uh, police in, ANA in Afghanistan. So meaning the actual fighting, you know, is uh, even in the last few years, 97-98% of the actual fighting was conducted in uh, planned by the Afghan forces. And so there are uh, the differences uh, between uh, 2016 or even uh, uh, last year to now. And we also brought, uh, when I was in the Ministry of Defense, uh, uh, with consultation with the president, we brought a lot of changes. You know, bring all special forces under one command, and also redeploy uh, our forces in different parts of the country so we were prepared it was not uh, like surprise but now the question is uh, about the future engagement of the us uh, with afghanistan uh, that is important because yes we can carry the fighting but still the us financial support uh, diplomatic support and also uh, military support uh, is important uh, And that should happen, you know, state to state, and people to people in Afghanistan. So in that context, uh, I believe uh, we can carry on. Uh, But of course, uh, the focus uh, of the Afghan people, the mood is uh, mixed. Uh, Some people who uh, don't know about the whole pictures, they see as the withdrawal of 2,500 forces might be in the end of the world, but for some, uh, who understand? You know, like 140,000 international forces, uh, NATO and the U.S. forces, they left Afghanistan uh, already. So 2,500 is not a big numbers, but this depends on the future relationship uh, that is important, also the peace process, because people of Afghanistan uh, and the government of Afghanistan, we are willing to have a peace, uh, you know, process and the taliban you know should uh, whatever views they have or ideas or for the future of this country they should put their ideas on the table and the peace process should move on uh, but unfortunately uh, you know the taliban so far uh, has not delivered that much uh, in the last few years during the peace process they think they might uh, get more uh, you know concession in the fighting but in fact they got more concession in the peace process, not in the fighting. And so that was, we all hope uh, the peace process will succeed and the regional actors, uh, especially Pakistan, uh, should play a constructive role, not destructive role as they have uh, played in the last uh, few decades in Afghanistan Uh, and security and peace in Afghanistan is in the interest of everyone. The Afghan people and also the regional countries and also the far distance, uh, the international community, and especially in the U.S., which has invested in Afghanistan their life and treasure, so they should not be vanished and should not be abandoned. Uh, uh, otherwise, what has happened like before in 1992 uh, or 1989, when the Soviet uh, you know, left Afghanistan, so Afghanistan was uh, forgotten. And that was uh, September 11 has happened. Al-Qaeda, you know, they had a place in Afghanistan and the rest has become a part of the history.
1: Exactly. So you walked us through a little bit of the state of Afghan security forces. Um, can you tell us about the security landscape? Are things relatively stable? Uh, are are they instable? Where are you seeing um, issues around the country of Afghanistan?
2: Well, if you look to uh, in the country, is uh, uh, the, the populated areas, uh, you know the big cities, the districts. Uh, this is in the hand of the government. Uh, I can say 98 to 99 percent, uh, because we have a district governors, we have a governors, and we have a police chiefs, and you know, uh, we have a service deliveries and others. But at the same time, Taliban claim we have a big you know area of the country, uh, but nobody knows about their district governors, nobody knows about their police chief, nobody knows about their. Uh, sectorial directors you know how provide services and others but i was giving example sometime if you are big jungle you know is a few people living and they just say if you own the whole jungle that's not uh, the meaning they have a control yes they have a capability of uh, mines target killings and uh, destruction but they don't have a plan for governance and how to rule the country
1: so let's talk about the Taliban for a second. Can you for, can you expand on how you see um the current state of the Taliban? We know um that there had been um talks between the United States and the Taliban that were happening in Doha. And I believe that you know the leaders of the Taliban made no made no uh, secret of them, you know, traveling back and forth from Doha to Pakistan. So what is the current state in Afghanistan of the Taliban?
2: You know as uh in the last one year, they tried uh, their best to capture some of the province and district and others. Uh, they were not able. Yes, the Afghan uh, security institutions and the Afghan people, uh, you know, had uh, casualties, but they suffered more uh, uh, because of the fighting and they, they miscalculated because things have changed in Afghanistan in the last two decades. Beside of all mistakes, beside of, uh, you know, not good policies, uh, lost opportunities. But we have, uh, you know, now people want to uh, think about the future, not about the past that much. We have a young generation, we have uh, universities, uh, we have uh, access to social media and, you know, access to information. So the world has changed. And so Taliban has to change also because they cannot run the country like what they did in the future. Uh, but they also, you know, they just, if they have a, uh, for example, peace uh, agreement, or they have a ceasefire, they believe they will lose control on their rank and fights. So far, uh, we, you know, they insisted on fighting, not on the peace, not on the ceasefire, not to run how to from the country, uh, you know, how to have a, you know, appoint your leaders in the country you know how to believe on the democratic process and others, those things, they have uh, no idea so far on that. So if the fighting, because, you know, the, the motives to fight, that is gone. Uh, they suffer also a lot, uh, especially in the south, Kandahar and Helmand in those places. Before they were sending people from those provinces to other provinces for the fighting, but now they ask their supporters to come from other provinces to Kandahar region, which is their, you know, main center of uh, influence in there. So, of course, uh, now it is, uh, depends uh, on Pakistan, depends on Iran and other actors in the region, how they play and how to support the peace process. Uh, but I believe uh, when I talk with the people, Afghanistan will exist uh, and the government will hold together. Uh, yes, in the political and uh, you know, democratic society, always there is a different views you know, as different leaders, different actors, they have different views. Uh, Maybe people hear the different views, but on one thing, on a few things, which is all the politicians and people agree, people are in favor of peace, not war. Second is they want to, uh, the existing government structure uh, should not be, you know, collapsed like it has happened in 1992. Afghanistan will not go back to the civil war and Afghanistan should not become a, a safe haven for the uh, terrorist groups, not only Taliban, because there is Al Qaeda, ISISK, and you know so many other uh, fragmented groups is existing. But if Taliban continue uh, their fighting, so they provide shelter to other terrorist groups, uh, which is uh, you know they become a headache for the neighbors and also for the wider international community. Also, of course, the Afghan will suffer also. So there should be you know, efforts by everyone. Peace should succeed and war should not continue in Afghanistan. Enough blood should be headed in the last four decades. And every family, they lost their loved one and uh, uh, people want peace in the country.
1: So we know that you have recently been appoint- appointed to be the next Afghan ambassador um, to Qatar. And one of the most important things, I imagine, in that role will be overseeing potentially a new peace process between the Afghan government and the Taliban. Can you talk a little bit about that? And do you believe that there that a political settlement can be reached with the Taliban?
2: I think I believe strongly fighting and war is not the solution. Uh, actually, I faced uh, my couple of photos uh, from 1990s on my Facebook page today. When I was a reporter for Voice of America coming with the Mujahideen, they miscalculated. They didn't want to accommodate, you know, the Kabul regime at that time. So they thought we just defeated the Soviet Union. We should, you know, have uh, the whole government. If Taliban just think they defeated, the, uh, you know, U.S. and NATO and they defeated uh, the government, they're wrong. You know, so they should not miscalculate it, uh, you know. Thanks. And uh, uh, that was, you know, part of the history. You know, we have it. Uh, so they should uh, believe uh, they can gain more in the peace process. Uh, if they have ideologies, if they want to, you know, live together uh, in the country and not shed, you know, blood in the country and how to run the country in the future. That is more important. Thanks. Because we have now 40 million people, you know, in the country. No, they need jobs. They need food. They need education. And so you cannot run it with just a gorilla kind of a, a fighting or structure. We need government institutions to, you know, have a service delivery and bring law and order, and have a justice in the country. And all these things is important.
1: So when we when we think back to. Afghanistan pre two thousand one, you know, Afghanistan under the Taliban, we have those images of you know women not being able to go to school, women not you know not being an active part of society. And we look today, we know that we have. Um, Roya Rahmani is the ambassador to the United States from Afghanistan. You know, the first woman, and she's just an amazing power. Uh, what do you think the future of women in Afghanistan is?
2: You know, you cannot ignore uh, the woman participation in, the, uh, in a country because if you, uh, you know, don't believe on half of the population not to participate in the political, economic uh, you know, developments of the country, uh, difficult to have a peace and stability in that country. Might we have an absence of, uh, you know, war is not a peace. In order to have a better future uh, for uh, you know, uh, the women and men in a country should participate uh, in the developments of a country, and that is important. You know, it is important for our future generation. You know, one generation work for another generation. That is more important things. And so that was the reason. You know, the world has changed, and Afghanistan has changed. Uh, we cannot, uh, you know, go back to the past and uh, not have uh, women's schools, uh, women in the universities. Now they have any military. We have a woman pilot now in the country. We have, you know, ambassadors, politicians. At least 30% of our uh, parliamentarians, they are the women, you know, in the country. And so that was not easy to ignore it. And now the people have access to information, social media and others, they play an important role. And so respect, uh, not only respect, they should participate in all walks of life uh, uh, currently and also in the future of the country.
1: How do you think the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, is going to impact um, the opium trade?
2: You know, as, uh, when you just go like, uh, if you look to many years back, uh, there are so many other ways of uh, illegal uh, uh, smuggling or illegal economy or war economy so pms are one part of it as uh, now you have a mines timbers uh, and so many other things you know they uh, is important for the development of the country uh, of course if there is a government if there is an institution there is a system law and order uh, you can stop these things but if there is a chaos if there is a civil war in a country there's no law and order, there's no uh, law enforcement uh, in institutions, then the criminal economy, you know, will uh, flourish and the criminals will be in power and they will, uh, you know, one of the sources of the terrorist group's criminal c- criminal economy, you know, that's the main sources uh, to support that. So that was uh, the reason when I said in the beginning, we should have a You know, government institution, you should have a structure and how to run the country in the future, how to have a justice, law and order, and other things is important there. And also, you know, many people sometimes criticize the government, you know, not deliver enough, uh, not have enough security, uh, which is, I say always, it is a good thing because people have an expectation from the government, not from the Taliban side. You know, why they don't ask from them to have a law and order uh, or have economic developments in the country, you know, fighting corruption so many other things. So they expect from the government because people believe on the system and government. If you look to all the surveys in the country.
1: So when we look at at, at the region as a whole, and we talked about Pakistan, we talked about, about Iran, what do you see as the regional regional players? We know that Pakistan more and more is aligning themselves with China um how, how do you see the future of afghanistan uh, will you uh, align yourselves with china will you sort of align yourselves with the west what do you think the best options there are
2: you know uh, unfortunately our neighbors you know uh, you can choose your friends uh, you know by your own choice but you cannot choose your neighbors uh, <laughs> our neighbors uh, you know they have not played a positive role so far Uh, And hopefully they play a positive role uh, and it is interest of everyone. And also our interest, you know, in Afghanistan is, it is tied with the West. Uh, If you want it or not, you know, that is important. And also many of the problems, uh, it is a global now. If you see, you know, COVID-19, you know, started in one part of the world, reached to another part of the world. The same as a tourism, the same as a, uh, drug trafficking, the same as uh, human trafficking. Uh, you know, all these uh, climate changes and all these things have an impact uh, on all of us. You know, if you are in Afghanistan or if you are in the U.S. or if you are in the Central Asia. So that was, uh, there is uh, should be cooperation, not confrontation with each other.
1: What's the future of secular schools in Afghanistan? What Do you anticipate any change in the education system?
2: I don't think so, you know, is cannot, uh, you know, our school system. Uh, we should, you know, studies, uh, physics, chemistry, and biology, and all these things. Uh, and of course, uh, it does not, you know, Islam not prevent us not to go to, you know, a secular school, because we have other classes also in the schools there. And uh, in order to uh, progress, compete, uh, you should have a modern education. And uh, we should focus on that.
1: So, having been in the, you know, in the defense ministry, how have the security forces been preparing? Troop withdrawal doesn't seem to come as a as a huge surprise. Uh, so, how have the the forces been preparing, sort of, to to take over the security situation on their own?
2: You know, I will give you a couple of examples. Uh, when two thousand two and three, when I was a deputy minister of interior. Uh, Only two people in our ministry had access to emails at that time. Now everybody has access to emails, WhatsApp, internet, and others in the country. That is a huge change. You know, capacity is built there. Uh, Even in that time, hundreds of uh, advisors, you know, were in each ministry. But now in the Ministry of Defense, uh, RS, they provide some support, But most of the day-to-day operation was running by the uh, Afghan, you know, leaders uh, in the ministry. And so that is a huge difference, as you know, we have it. Even, uh, you know, I was out of the government for a few years, then I was in the government. uh, But, you know, one year ago when I came to the Ministry of Defense, when I compared that with 2002, it is unbelievable, you know. Uh, people could speak, you know, different languages. Uh, they have educated, you know, in different, uh, you know, good schools uh, in the U.S., UK and other countries there. You know, my chief of staff, he was, you know, studied in the U.S. Um, my aide the camp you know, he has a master's from Italy and other. So there are more educated people in the country. And that is a huge change uh, I can see from two thousand. One and now, uh, which is existing, the capacity is built uh, in the country there. So they have a capacity now.
1: So un- unfortunately we're running out of time, but I wanna ask um, a-, a-, a question about the future of the US-Afghan relationship. We know that the troop withdrawal means a major change, but it's not the end of the relationship. In your, you know, from your perspective, in your opinion, um, what kind of role do you hope to see the u s play what is the future of the bilateral relationship
2: I think it will continue it will exist and the u s cannot completely you know stop uh, uh, political uh, economic and other you know relationship with Afghanistan uh, it will continue uh, uh, and also it is the interest of uh, both countries uh, and uh, uh, it will continue you know I believe on that. Uh, and also our system is built, you know, especially our military system is built on the U.S. system. Uh, you cannot change it also easily. And so that was relationship. I believe it will continue for years to come.
1: So I always like to end on a question about the hope for the future. So heading into your big role, um, which we wish you the, the best of luck in as, as the ambassador to Qatar, because it's pivotal and it's crucial. And um, when you look, Uh, At the future of Afghanistan, what is your greatest hope for the future?
2: You know, I'm very uh, hopeful because I have uh, seen up and downs in the last uh, more than four decades in Afghanistan. I was in the refugee camps. I have seen collapse of the regimes. I have seen uh, several wars in the country. Uh, You know, I am more hopeful for the future. And um, now uh, people want, uh, you know, a system, a government to function who is leading that government, that is a different issue. But uh, we should have an institution and others that people believe on the system now. And that is more important. Thanks. Uh, And that's give a hope uh, to the people of Afghanistan uh, to have a better future. And also we should live uh, peacefully with uh, our neighbors, with international community and others. Minister
1: Mikhail, we thank you so much for being with us here today. Again, we wish you luck in your new role, um, and we wish only good things for the ongoing and future relationship between the United States and Afghanistan. Thank you for joining us on State of the Thank U.S. you
2: very much. Nice talking to you.
0: That was Designated Ambassador of Afghanistan to Qatar, Shah Mahmood Miakel. You can follow him on Twitter at S underscore miakel. That does it for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more like this and to join us for future live events, follow the World Affairs Council of Connecticut on Twitter and Instagram at CTWAC or visit our website at ctwac.org. Today's episode was moderated by Council CEO Megan Torrey, produced by me, Amanda Jolly, edited and engineered by virtual communication specialist Caroline Schaefer. Thank you for joining us for State of the World. Until next time.